Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of We Effed Up. I am Teresa. I'm Cody. And we're here once again to entertain you with tales of instances in human history where we effed up. So what are we talking about today, Cody? Uh, we're getting into something, uh, at least a mistake that led to a political scandal that pretty much everybody knows about, Watergate. That like the hotel? Like the office building? Yes. Uh, Was it an office building or was it a hotel? It's both. Oh. It's like a complex of buildings. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Did we go buy it when we were in Washington? I don't think we did. No, I don't don't think we did. I don't think we hit up that neighborhood. Is it still a hotel? Uh, I I don't know offhand. Oh, okay. I think there's like, I know there's like, it's like a multi-use complex. I know there's still offices there. I think there might be apartments. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Watergate. Uh, so, a little bit of background. Uh, Richard Nixon, old tricky dick, mm. uh, had been elected president in 1968 and was running for re-election in 1972. Okay. Uh, Nixon had a reputation for engaging in dirty tricks, quote-unquote. <laughs> dirty tricks. Yes, uh, such as, like, uh, he added his infamous enemies list. Uh, okay. Just, like, a list of politicians or even celebrities were just regarded as enemies of his administration and his policies wow like jane okay. fonda was on it at well, one point uh, that that does, honestly does not surprise me yeah. jane fonda is still hated by the the memals of the world still yeah. nobody's grandma likes jane fonda no unless they're a hippie yeah in which case they do yeah. but i like jane fonda uh he also utilized uh operatives to dig up dirt on political opponents and then would kind of surreptitiously leaked that dirt to the press okay uh he engaged he ordered extensive irs audits of his opponents how do you uh, that seems very illegal yeah it kind of is but well i mean kind of topical to today because we learned like uh, i think it was like a few weeks ago that after he got fired as fbi director james comey uh coincidentally went through like multiple successive years of very intensive audits under the trump administration that seems yeah illegal yeah like i i feel like as a president you probably should not be allowed to you know order the irs to do audits on people yeah well i mean i don't know if he's the one doing it or if it's like his cronies but or if someone at the irs is just like hey this might you know get me in good with with uh you know old dick over here so uh i guess that's fair but that's like cronyism at its finest oh oh, yeah yeah like you should never things should be operating independently enough that they should there should never be an incentive to do the job that you already do like the incentive should be a good job and fair pay yes we're Uh, a union household here (laughs) yes uh it's the official policy of we have to podcast that unions are good we are pro-labor yes pro-labor um (laughs) He probably just lost, like, 15 listeners. Yeah. It's okay. I don't care. Um, Nixon, he also used the Secret Service to spy on people. Okay. Yeah, and uh, extensive FBI wiretapping without warrants. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay, well, he's so he's doing very clearly uh, legal and wholesome things to his opponents. Yeah. Great. Sweet. 
Um, the Committee for the Re-Election of the President was formed in 1971 to serve as his re-election campaign organization. It was shortened to CRP, but was mockingly called CREEP. Because <laughs> so, they were creeping? Well, I creep, mean, the creep. acronym kind of lend itself to it, so... But so yeah, I will call it from I will call it creep from now on. <laughs> That's uh, fair. That's fair. Many prominent Republicans were on the committee. Uh, just a few names here: Kenneth Dahlberg, who helped in the development of hearing aids. Interesting. Okay. Francis Dale, the owner at the time of the Cincinnati Reds. So, do you think that hearing aids were developed to help with like spying situations? No, no. Oh no! Like, like his company just like kind of further along the development of it. Okay. So, but yeah. Uh, him, the owner of the Cincinnati Reds, Francis Dale. Okay. Is she the one who is racist? Well, Francis Dale's a guy. Oh. And you're thinking of Marge Shot. Yeah. Was she the Reds, though? Yes. Hey, I got that part right. Yes. Yay. Yes. Uh, we're, 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 we live about an hour north of Cincinnati. I am a diehard Reds fan. So. Why don't you just give them our address, Cody? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Yes. That um, is correct. Yes. That is our accurate address. Um, but so yeah, like pretty high profile people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a name, you know, future douchebag, convicted felon and political operative Roger Stone. Oh boy. Yes. Is this the start of his shenanigans? Uh, yeah. It's early on in his career. How old was he at that point? Cause isn't he like 90? He's not that old. Oh, okay. Um, I think his hair is just white. I'll look it up. Yeah. Keep uh, going. But yeah. Um, uh, James McCord. A former CIA officer and the director of security for the campaign. Oh, it's Roger Stone's 69. Uh, he, That's it? Yeah, he was born the same year as my dad. And actually, like... So, two in 1972, and, he would have been how old? 20. So, he was a wee babe. Yeah. Just trying to get noticed. Yep. Okay. Um, Gordon Liddy... Uh, the campaign finance council, but was kind of the main dude behind all these dirty tricks. Uh, John Mitchell, the attorney general, who resigned that post to be the campaign manager. Which is always great when the nation's top law enforcement officer, who's supposed to ostensibly be somewhat independent of the executive... Is like no 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 I I'm gonna run this campaign, <laughs> this political campaign. It's like mm, that's problematic. But he resigned. But still, uh, Howard Hunt, former CIA officer and White House staffer, uh, Maurice Stans, the campaign finance chairman and the Commerce Secretary. Jeez, okay. Yeah, her former Commerce Secretary and Jeb Magruder, the deputy campaign manager. So a lot of names, but only a few would really become relevant. Um, discussions between Liddy. Mitchell Magruder and White House Counsel John Dean for a spying campaign against Democrats began in January 1972. Uh, Liddy proposed an extensive campaign, nicknamed Operation Gemstone, that included framing prominent Democrats with prostitutes and kidnapping troublesome Republicans. Hey, troublesome Republican, there's candy in this man. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> yeah, like, like Republicans who were kind of like, uh, not necessarily anti-Nixon, but would, you know... Raise like so begin questioning it like you know people who have a conscience like that <laughs> type of that type of thing like uh, especially during the convention the uh, 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 if I can talk the Republican convention that year like mm -hmm. just detaining them just like like oh no your 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 tickets got lost 
your flight got canceled. Sorry. <laughs> you can't go to the convention. Wow. That type of thing. So he was, like, the master of, like, strategically scheduling uh, or, like, causing disruption to... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of the higher-ups at Creep balked at these proposals. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to stop here for a minute and give you uh, some pictures of these people. It's pretty there's, unethical. There's Liddy. Oh, wow. Yeah. He looks like a dude who would, like, coach Little League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, James McCord. Who is a criminal. That looks like that, a mugshot. That is his mugshot. Yep. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert. He goes to jail. Um, <laughs> He's going to jail now. There's John Mitchell. Of course. Smoking a pipe. Yeah. Deep in thought. Uh, there's the actual Watergate complex. Okay. Um, Interesting weird horseshoe shape. Yeah. And then the rest of these we'll get to in a minute. You uh, know what that just, you know what that screams to me? Hmm. Trash just collects in the courtyard of that building. <laughs> Probably. Because <laughs> the wind will just blow it in there and then yep. it can't get out. Yeah. Um... At another meeting in February, Liddy proposed wiretapping prominent Democrats to get dirt. Uh, and this proposal was met much more favorably. <laughs> of course. Yeah. In March, Mitchell, again, the former Attorney General of the United States, approved a plan to break into the Democratic National Committee headquarters in the Watergate complex to plant wiretapping devices. Wow. Yes. Oh, great. Yep. So they're like, hey, everybody stay at this hotel. Also, make sure you stay at this hotel. <laughs> uh, the DNC offices occupied 29 rooms on the sixth floor of the Watergate office building. Uh, in the planning the operation, McCord enlisted former FBI agent and the effer-upper of our episode, Alfred Baldwin. Alfred Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, effed up. Show you a picture. There's Baldwin. Hmm. So. Is he British? No. Oh. I'm about to give you his background here. Uh, he was born in 1936 in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. Uh, he'd served in the Marine Corps in the late 1950s, uh, and had worked for the FBI from 1963 to 1966. Uh, and that he worked uh, security for various employers until he was hired as a bodyguard for John Mitchell's wife, Martha. Okay. Uh, but then he was later enlisted by McCord into the Watergate operation. Baldwin would be ensconced in a room at a motel directly across the street from the Watergate office building and the DNC offices. Uh, let me show you kind of a setup of how it was here. So, like, there's, like, the part of the Watergate complex where the DNC offices are. Mm -hmm. And there's the hotel across the street. Okay. So, kind of got a good view of, like, their offices, um... And, you know, just keeping an eye on it. And the range of their wiretapping devices, it's like it's well within the range of that, so. Okay. Uh, Baldwin's responsibility would be to monitor the wiretaps and transcribe what was heard. Uh, once the devices were set up, uh, during the actual break-in, he would serve as the spotter, keeping an eye out for any law enforcement presence. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, so, boy. So on May 28th, 1972, McCord and four others... Uh, just other slime, uh, broke into the DNC offices and wiretapped two phones. Okay. That of Robert Oliver, the executive director of the Association of State Democratic Chairmen, and Larry O'Brien, the chairman of the of the uh, Democratic National Committee. Now, for you sports fans out there, if you're hearing, the, like you say, Larry O'Brien, where have I heard that name before? Larry O'Brien would later serve as the commissioner of the NBA. 
Weird. And the NBA Championship Trophy is named after him, the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Okay. Weird. Yeah, it's an odd connection, but... Okay. Yeah. So, just in case that name you know, kind of was ringing bells for you. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but sometime after planting the devices, like, like they, they successfully plant them, uh, they begin to malfunction, so a second break-in was planned. <laughs> they go in and wow. fix their stuff. So, the first time was karma. That was karma coming back. They were like, okay, we're going to break in, we're going to add these wiretaps, and we're going to listen in and get dirt on everybody. Yeah. And then they broke. They stopped working. Yeah. And so they could have taken the hint from Karma saying, hey, this is really unethical. Don't do that. But instead, they didn't. Yeah. Uh, here's one of the walkie-talkies they used. It's kind of like hooked up to like a transceiver type of thing. So was, this is 1972. It's like this technology isn't. So was that the wiretap or was that how they were communicating? That's with how they were Karma? communicating with each other. Okay. Got it. Uh, okay. And here's one of the wiretaps. It's disguised yeah, just... in two things, a chapstick. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, I did not know that that's how they hid the wiretaps, but also Well, well the wiretap, the, I don't, I couldn't really find anything on the actual specific wiretaps themselves. I mean, I'm sure it's there somewhere. Like, this is such a a gone over. Yeah. Yeah, it is, like... It's been done to death. Yeah, so it's like, I, I wasn't going to do a massive deep dive into it. Sure. Um, it's fair. But yeah, just, just know that they had wiretapping devices in the office. Okay. And they were listening in. But anyway, uh, on the evening of June 16th to 17th, 1972, McCord and his team broke into the DNC offices again to okay. fix the malfunctioning wiretaps. That's where you have to... Well, we're not getting there yet. Oh, Yeah, man. We're, we're not... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Remember, Bal Alfred Baldwin is the one who has up here. I told you that oh, earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, All right, we're, we're not we're quite there yet. We're getting okay. there. Uh, and you'll love... The F up itself. Um, okay. A security guard making his rounds, Frank Willis, noticed that a door from the underground parking garage to the office building had been taped to prevent it from fully closing. Like, they actually oh, taped, yeah. like, yeah. The, 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 the latch the latch thing. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't really think anything of it. He just removed the tape and continued on his rounds. Uh, and I can see why it's like, you know, maybe somebody had done this earlier. Like, they were moving stuff in and out of the building. Sure. And, you know, they didn't want the door to keep locking or, or what have right, you. Right, yeah. I so, mean... So, for, understandable, and they yeah. just forgot to do it. So, it's like, all right, you know, I'll just take this tape off and, you know... Yeah, my, my merry way. Yeah. Because no matter what, like, whatever happened, they're not going to be able to get back in after he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Um, he continues on his rounds, but sometimes later his, his, um, rounds bring him back past that door, and he notices it's taped again. Oh. So he's like, okay, okay that means there's somebody in the building. Remember, this is the office part of the Watergate complex. There shouldn't be anybody here. Mm-hmm. So that means somebody's in the building. Right. And they're, for some reason, wanting to keep this door unobstructed. Mm-hmm. So he's immediately suspicious. He calls the police suspecting burglars. Burglary. Uh, the first police presence to respond was a group of plainclothes officers in an unmarked vehicle. Uh, what at the time was called a bum squad. Okay. Basically, and I, I, I had to look. I had to look into this a little bit more and mention this. Basically, it was like undercover cops as hippies, like trying to like get drugs <laughs> and that type of thing. It's like it's like the most oh. stereotypical like early seventies cop versus hippie thing you could think of. <laughs> wow. Like. Yeah. Oh so, boy. Yeah. So I, I just had to mention like it's like they actually have specific P 
people, the specific groups of officers called bum squads out for this purpose of like trying to catch hippies. It's like <sighs> the lengths, man, the lengths that we went to man, to to yeah. do the war on drugs. Yep, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, it was even before like the actual war on drugs. Like, for, like yeah, the that was era, but like yeah. still, this is yeah. It, it's just we had to crack down on those commie hippies. Yep, those pinko bastards. <laughs> Uh, while unmarked, the presence of really any vehicle near the office building at this time of night should have alerted Baldwin that something was amiss. Yeah. Right, right, right. However, Baldwin didn't notice the car. And this is where he F's up. Oh, no. Because he was getting kind of, I mean, being a spotter, you're sitting there watching stuff. You get bored, I imagine. Yeah, it does. From personal oh. experience at all. <laughs> or like uh, um, you fall asleep. Yeah. So he gets distracted by, he sits down and watches TV. And gets distracted. Uh, the movie he was watching was the 1958 film Attack of the Puppet People. <laughs> I, I, I had to look at this. It's like, I've never heard of this. I've never seen this. I've never heard of anybody involved in it. It is like late 50s B-list schlock. Um, that's what it seemed like. But, you know, yeah. Attack of the oh. Puppet People. Um, it looks like the borrowers only... Uh, like a horror movie. Yeah, that, that might be up your alley. They may, maybe you and Juliet should do uh, Attack of the Puppet People as an episode. Oh, John Agar was in it. He was in uh, uh, The Mole People. I can't say I've ever watched that fine piece of cinema. Wow, okay. Yeah, so there, there's an idea for you. <laughs> you two should do that movie. Okay. Uh Baldwin did not notice the police officers until they had already reached the DNC offices. Uh, so he was unable to warn the burglars who were arrested. Oh, boy. Yes. So. That's where he effed up. He was watching a movie that was too... Uh, too enthralling. Too enthralling, yeah. <clears throat> also, John Hoyt is in Attack of the Puppet People, who is also in Spartacus. Which is, I... Who was in Spartacus? Caius. Oh, okay. All right, well then, yeah. Yeah, 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 I know who that is. Though. Yeah, he was in a bunch of westerns too. Yeah, well, the westerns were a dime a dozen back then. Well, yeah, but Spartacus, um, good movie. Stanley yeah, Kubrick film. As so. I understand it, um, he was also in Battlestar Galactica, um, the obviously the seventies version, and the Six Million Dollar Man. Was it like a regular role in Battlestar, or just a uh, like one episode? Um, hold please, and I can tell you. Uh, just one episode. It was right. Sire Domra. Um, yeah, he did a lot of like, uh, like bit parts. He was in a couple episodes of the Planet like of the Apes TV, TV show. show. Oh yeah. man, that thing. Um, he so he's in, like at like TV guest actor level. Yeah, he was in. He was in a bunch of episodes of The Virginian, Hogan's oh, Heroes, go. The Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West. Yippee yo, yippee yay. Oh my god. Please cut that out, Steve. <laughs> no. Actually, you know what? Just let Cody writhe in his embarrassment. You think I'm embarrassed? I, lo I love <laughs> that. I love that train wreck. <laughs> um, Kenneth yeah. Branagh's little half man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, uh, his name was Loveless. Yeah, yeah that's what it He'd was. He'd be very upset if you didn't know his name. <laughs> oh, man, that thing. Yeah. But the the dude was in like, a bunch of a bunch of old 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 westerns and Alfred Hitchcock Hour and TV show and stuff. He would get like one or two episodes on whatever you know five episodes of Perry Mason yeah. etc. Um, 
but he he very much looks like somebody who would exist in like the era that they love to show and portray in the western uh like in western so yeah he looks like he belonged there um anyways sorry yeah away from our attack digress. of the people yeah thread uh so after get arrested howard Hunt, like baldwin you know let's everybody know like, hey they got arrested Howard Hunt met with Baldwin in the motel room afterwards and ordered him to destroy any evidence in the room. Baldwin would comply. While not immediately connected to the Nixon administration, events slowly began to unravel. Uh Uh-oh. The discovery that Creep had used campaign donations to pay the burglars led to further scrutiny of the links to the White House. And I I am not getting into the investigation because, like I said, there there are libraries of books on this topic is far too much for our humble little podcast to get into. You could have (laughs) multiple seasons of a podcast devoted entirely to Watergate. I'm sure that there are already. Yeah, it is so extensive. It is so much information. So was the crux of, like, the issue with Watergate the fact that they use campaign funds? Well, yeah, the fact that, like, and the fact that, like, like, it's debatable whether or not Nixon actually knew or ordered it. Like, he certainly didn't order it, or whether he knew beforehand. The thing was, like, the cover-up of it. Oh, The cover-up of the crime. That's what kind of got him in hot water, but we'll get to that here in a minute. Okay. Um, Over the next two years, the Watergate scandal would consume the Nixon administration, culminating in the resignation of Nixon on August 9th, 1974. So remember, these break-ins take place in May and June of 1972. It takes over two years for everything to really kind of get fleshed out. I see. Yeah, okay. so yeah, it was not like a few months later Nixon's gotten knocked. No, it takes over two years. So when it broke, it was probably like, yeah, like, that's bad. And- yeah, yeah, like, the breaking of the DNC office was like, oh, I mean, it was on the probably on the front page of the Washington Post, but it was like, wasn't like immediately, like, Nixon administration commits crime, break into DNC, like, it was nothing like that. It was like a trickle of information over two years like and pretty good journalism on it investigating reporting people actually growing a conscious like john dean um who was involved with it like he was the white house counsel like he knew stuff but like he turned evidence basically okay um so yeah it, it took a long time for it to come out but it did um 69 government officials will be charged with various crimes with 48 being found guilty Wow. Uh, John Mitchell, again, the campaign manager, the former attorney general of the United States and who um, ordered the break-in or approved of it, he served 19 months in prison. Okay. H.R. Uh, Haldeman, who was the White House chief of staff, he served 18 months in prison. Wow. John Dean served four months in prison. James McCord, who was actually there, like one of the burglars, he served two months the other Watergate burglars, uh, there were four of them, uh, besides McCord, uh, they served between 10 and 18 months. Hmm. Howard Hunt served 33 months. Okay. And Gordon Liddy served four and a half years. Wow. I really threw the book at him. Yeah, Gordon Liddy, he was a weird duck. Um, after he got out of prison, he like wrote a book, and then he had this weird career like in the late 80s and early 90s as like a guest actor on TV. <laughs> Okay. Like, like, he showed up on an episode of MacGyver, and I was like, and that, that was one of my pandemic watches, folks, was I went through the entire series of MacGyver, and I mean the original, not the newer one, the original with 
Richard Dean Anderson himself. Um, and he and Gordon Liddy showed up on maps, and I'm like, why are you here? And I looked it up, it's like, yeah, he had this weird little career as a TV guest actor for a little bit. It's like, why? He was in Rules of Engagement. Why? Why? He, he played a talk show host in Rules of Engagement. I've never seen that. What? Okay. I don't know what that is. Are you serious? Yes. The William Free the Billy Friedkin movie with, with Samuel L. Jackson and Tommy Lee Jones? I have no ben, idea what that is. Ben Kingsley? I, 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 okay. You saying these names are gonna make, not going to make you change my answer. Okay, well, it's on HBO, so we're watching that tonight. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Nixon himself was succeeded by Gerald Ford, who controversially pardoned Nixon of all crimes in September 1974. Yeah, what the heck? What the heck? Yeah, Gerald Ford, Ford's don't be nice. Reason, Ford's rationale for it is like he just wanted the country to move on from it and heal from it. But, um... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that kind of came out to bite him in the butt because he that was cited as kind of one of the reasons why he lost the presidential election in 1976. So, ah, yeah, uh, okay. Congress did pass several reforms in the wake of the Watergate scandal aimed at checking presidential power, including reforming campaign finance laws, uh, passed the National Emergencies Act, and beefed up the Freedom of Information Act. Okay, so like FOIA had already existed, but like they kind of beefed it up in this in the wake of this and. Something I learned recently, right before, like, this beefed-up version of FOIA went into effect, mm -hmm. like, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, like, in the military, like, the people who basically run the different military branches, mm -hmm. you know, they meet periodically, and they have, they own, of course, at, like, any meeting, you would have to take minutes. Mm -hmm. And they, like, the first meeting was in, like, 1947. Right. Right before this, like... Like, their stuff would have been subjected to FOIA. Mm -hmm. They destroyed the minutes of all their meetings that existed up to that point. Oh, of course they did. Yes. Wow. So we have no idea what was discussed in any of these meetings of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from 1947 to, like, 1974. Okay. Yeah. That seems fair. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't ethical. seem shady at all. Yeah, that's ethical. Yeah, completely. Um, it also became customary for presidents to publicly release personal financial information, such as tax returns, a precedent that would last until 2016. <laughs> uh, Watergate Weird. entered the lexicon of pop culture with pretty much any, any scandal being named with the suffix gate. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure the owners of the actual Watergate complex absolutely love. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that the, I mean, it's kind of like that any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, Even I if mean, it's bad. At this point, they're never going to change the name of it. I mean, I, I think it's literally on the... It's not like... A, it's like on the National Register of Historic Places or something. Well, plus, like, so. it wasn't their fault. Yeah. You know, like, they didn't have anything to do with it. That Like, people were burglarizing their, yeah. their hotel, so... Yeah. Had nothing to do... Like, they didn't do anything wrong. They just... Yeah. Exist. Um, Alfred Baldwin himself, uh, he was never charged for his role in the scandal... Huh. Uh, Funny, he considering he's the one who messed up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why they're like, hey, you you, you already did your country a service by sitting down to watch Attack of the Puppet People. You've already served punishment. Yeah, enough. you've already served your punishment yeah. by watching that movie. Yes. Uh, he returned to Connecticut uh, to become a math teacher, and he later served as a public prosecutor. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he died in January 2020. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, Gordon Liddy, he only died like three or four years ago. It, no, Gordon Liddy died last year. March oh, of last, last year. year. Yeah. I, mixed it with I just else. looked it up. Well, 
He's where he belongs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dang. All right. Yeah. So yeah. So that's kind of that. That's that's what I mean. Obviously, not the entirety of Watergate, as I said, but yeah, like one person, like just sitting down and watch TV. It's like, you know, would all of this have come out? I mean, yeah, like, man, I feel like it still would have at some point, but maybe like years later, like maybe like this wiretapping doesn't really work or doesn't really reveal anything. Pr- yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't like really have an impact, and like maybe it's just one of those things, like. Oh, this is just a political operation that failed. We don't learn about it till like, decades later or something. Yeah. Or, you know... Because, I mean, it's not like... Cause they, really, they didn't really get any decent information from it. So it was all kind of fruitless anyway. Right. And Nixon, like... Remember, this is leading into the 72 election. Nixon, like... that, Like, the 72 election was one of the biggest blowouts in presidential history. Nixon won, I think... He won 49 states. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, George McGovern, his opponent, he won, I think, uh, Massachusetts and D.C., and that's it. Holy crap. Yeah. Nixon, like, he won, like, something like 520 electoral votes out of 538. I think he won close to 60% of the popular vote. Like, he crushed uh, the, the the what competition there was. Jeez. Yeah, so, I mean, you can either attribute that to him or the weakness of his opponent. I mean, the McGovern campaign certainly has problems. Um, but it just, it's just like, this really wasn't... It didn't affect the election. Yeah. I, I mean, granted... It, it like, could have. It, it had the potential to. Yeah, like, if everything had come out, like, far faster, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it would have. But things weren't, didn't really, it was like I said, it was a slow trickle, especially over 1973 and 74. And we know how the slow trickle story versus a bombshell story can be, can be like super impactful. Like right now, if let's say certain impeachments had been, um, instead of a slow trickle of little tiny pieces of information, they were, it was like dropped like a big bombshell all at once, like a yeah. big Washington Post story or something, probably would have had more impact, yeah. you know, instead of like what we have now with the 24 hour news cycle where we get little pieces of information and then it's not as impactful. So, um, same thing with that. Like what if, what if nobody knew about this and yeah. Washington, it was like covered up so well, Washington Post had to like uncover it or whatever. Do well, their investigative journalism well, magic. I mean, I mean, that is kind of what happened. Really? Uh, I mean, like, o- over a long period of time, over two years. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, Carl, like, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, they worked for the Washington Post. Uh-huh. And, like, wrote all the President's Men and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, the investigative reporting did work. It just, it just took time to, like, uncover everything. Jeez. And to be given that information, like, you know, they had their sources, like, you know, Deep Throat from the FBI... Yeah, you didn't say anything about Deep Throat. He's not really involved. Like, that's more like the post, like, after this stuff. Like, like I said, I'm not getting into the weeds of this, of the investigation itself, because it's, like, it's too much. Why was he called Deep Throat? Can you say that? I don't know offhand, Mm -hmm. but I imagine that has something to do with a certain film. Um, Oh. (laughs) Or maybe you just had a deep voice. I don't know. Oh. But it's not... Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, okay. um, but so like, yeah, you know, this just gets swept under the rug, and 
we think of Nixon as one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. <laughs> really? I mean, I... Nixon was certainly successful at some things. Um, I did not know that. I mean, the Vietnam situation was not great, which there may be an, another episode we do on the future about Henry Kissinger and his role in that, but... So I don't want to get into Vietnam stuff, but... So he was president from 68 to 76 then? 74. 74. So from 1969 to 1974. Oh, okay. Because um, he resigned? Yes. Okay. Uh, he would have served, if he served his full term, he would have been there until 1977. Okay. Um, Interesting. So, like, the EPA gets established under Nixon. Oh, okay. Um, That's interesting. The reorganization of the Postal Service... Yeah. Um, normalization of relations with China, which kind of needed to happen. It's uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because it's actually funny that we're doing this today because randomly today when I went to go get coffee in the parking lot, there was this old Chevy Corvair, which I know you're going to be like, why? What does this have to do with this? Um, I love old cars though. So I was checking it out as I do. It had California plates and on the back windshield, it had a sticker that was in the shape of California that said Nixon on it. And I was like, that's weird. It's from California. Yeah, but I don't know. It just was strange to me. I don't think I've ever seen a car that has a sticker from a prior presidential election on it. I mean, I mean, I saw one a few, uh, this is like. About a week ago, I had a W04 sticker on it. Okay, well, that's just because that's yeah. an old piece of crap car. Then they just haven't peeled the sticker off. And weirdly enough, it had a sticker next to it that said, I support the Constitution, which, I mean, I feel like those kind of counteract each other. But No. Yeah, but anyway. Um, but so, so, so it was like it was like they had just put a sticker on it or something like that. It wasn't like a car from like 1972. No, it was. Or, or like it. It was a Chevy Corvair. So, it was like so, so it old... just had the old campaign sticker on it. Yeah, but it yeah. just... I don't think I've ever seen One an old, old car Yeah, that had a campaign sticker on it. I've seen tons of, like, buttons and pins and yeah. stuff from, like, old campaigns, but I've never seen an, a car with oh, an old uh, campaign sticker. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it, it, was, uh, it was funny. It was just random that that happened today, specifically. Yeah. So. Yeah, but, you know, I mean... And Nixon would have certainly not, he'd be remembered more favorably, probably, if this, like, kind of got swept under the rug, or maybe was minimized in some way, or what have you. Um, maybe, I just think that he's a bad, I always just assume that he's a bad president, because I just think of him saying, I am not a crook. <laughs> I am not a crook. Yeah, and then I'm like, eh, you know what, only crooks would say I'm not a crook. <laughs> You won't have old Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. I don't know what that comes from. Um, after he lost the presidential, uh, he lost the presidential campaign in 1960 to JFK. Uh huh. Um, and then in 1962, he tried to run for governor of California and lost. Oh. Um, and then he was just like very bitter afterwards. Ah. Um, so he just he's like basically had what he called his last press conference because he wasn't even done with politics and he mm -hmm. basically told all these reporters you won't have old Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. <laughs> and then, so, and but they still did. <laughs> I know, I mean, he, he kind of went off and was at a law firm in New York for a few years. Really? And then wow. in 1968 he kind of just came out of nowhere and was like, I'm going to run for president. And no, that's won. what I'm saying. Like, later he did come back. Yeah. 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 So you're not going to have me to kick around and then he's like, 
Actually, I'm going to submit myself to probably the Actually, most. Actually, I'm going to kick you around. I'm going to I'm going to submit myself in the running for the most highly criticized role in all of America. <laughs> Uh, he he loved it. He got he, uh, he 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 just like basked in the glory of being criticized all the time. Yeah, couldn't couldn't stand it if he wasn't. <laughs> no, like Nixon, he was a very very proud man who just he, he could actually couldn't take criticism very well. So really, yeah. Oops. Hints an enemies list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of concerning because it sounds like a hit list. It should be. I mean, yeah, these are like basically a list of people. Who he would try to, or him and his cronies would try to use essentially the tools of the federal government to inconvenience or denounce. Exactly. Or, like so, yeah, it, it is very concerning. Nor- normal people just, you know, they have a list in their head of like people they don't want to mess with. Yeah. And Nixon was like, you know what? Let's write it down. Let's let's formalize this. Not let's only kick them while they're down. <laughs> yeah. Let, not only do I have this list of people that I. That I don't like and I want to inconvenience. I'm going to use my power as president to do so. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. messed up. Yeah. Well. Very, very. I mean. Really to this day. I mean. If you take Watergate out of it. Still controversial. But yeah. Watergate kind of just. Plummets him down the. If you want to rank your presidents. Like he plummets down the list just because of that alone. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Essentially trying to get dirt to. Dirt on your opponent to try to influence an election in your favor even one you were going to overwhelmingly win yeah (laughs) so it's like you didn't need to you didn't need to do this like like that is the hubris of it you didn't have to do this yeah but he wanted to overwhelmingly win he wanted to get that massachusetts in dc (laughs) yeah (laughs) he wanted to be unanimous he wanted george washington that crap yes exactly He's like, I, this hasn't happened in 200 years. Let's do it again. 1972 is the new 1792. Oh, God. Weird. Don't do that again. I'm not a crook. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> were, were you just waiting to shoehorn that in? I was. Yeah, that's what I thought. Nixon's back. Oh, my God. Please, No. I'm going to break into children's houses and wreck up the place. And I'm going to sell their meat to zoos. What? Like, uh, yeah, I fucked up. I, uh, I screwed up the Futurama quote on that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What are you even talking about? I'm going to sell our children to zoos for meat. I have no idea what you're talking it's about. Futurama. Right? It's like Nixon's head. I'm sure it is. It's when, but, he, it's uh... when he runs for pre- Nixon's head runs for president of Earth. Wow. Okay. But I've got a shiny new body. <laughs> Is Nixon the one that, like, gets the robot body? Yeah. Okay. Well, he buys, like, Bender sells his body, and then Nixon um, buys it and campaigns with it, but then Bender extorts him because he (laughs) records everything that Nixon says, because Nixon, you know, big fan of being recorded on tape, uh, basically blackmails him to get his body back, and then he does get, like, a giant robot body and smashes his way into the White House. Uh, and then, but after that, we don't see the robot body anymore. He just carried around by the headless body of Spiro Agnew, his first vice president, who also resigned for tax reasons because he evaded his taxes in Maryland. So, what the heck? Yeah, Nixon's vice pre- first vice president. He resigned and stuff totally unrelated to Watergate. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's for tax evasion. That's why we got <sighs> Gerald Ford. 
Great. That's why Gerald Ford's the only person ever, president, to have never been elected to either pre- the presidency or the vice presidency. So. Sweet. Yep. Great. So, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot of off-topic topics. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that's that's all, it's all tricky dick for you. Uh, sources I used, uh, The Nixon Defense, What He Knew and When He Knew It by John Dean in 2014. Again, the White House Council involved in all this, so he would know some stuff. Uh, Dirty Tricks, Nixon, Watergate, and the CIA by Shane O'Sullivan from 2018. Uh, and several news articles uh, by Deneen Brown from the Washington Post from 2017, uh, by Jack Nelson from the New York Times from 1972, from Walter Rugerber from the New York Times from 1973, and from Harrison Smith from the Washington Post and from 2022. So, a few books several news articles so but yeah. if you want to learn more about watergate go like more power to you you're going to be at it a while because there are so many books about this but hey if you want to learn more about it go do it that's kind of the point of this podcast it's not to tell you everything it's to kind of provoke that interest like oh yeah maybe i'll go look into this a little more so yeah yeah because the, i mean there's no way <laughs> yeah. there's just no way yeah we'd be uh, here for days Plus, like, some people think it's a conspiracy. Some people think that there is more involvement than we know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like JFK's assassination. Yeah. Yeah, so. It's a lot. Um, What are we talking about next time, Cody? What are we talking about next time? I completely blanked on it. Uh, (laughs) What is this next one? 23? Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, We are returning... In our little sub-series here, we've had enough of a, of a breather since our last episode on the topic. Going back to Ireland. No, oh boy. Yes, yes. So another sad one. Cool. Yes, another sad one. But you kind of need it to... More background for what will be the, you know, culmination of our little Ireland sub-series here. <laughs> <laughs> At some point in the future. Little Ireland sub-series. Yeah, about the potato famine. Ooh, potatoes. Yes. So, the potato famine. So this is, you know, still leading up to that. Talk about uh, a man a lot, a lot of Americans uh, will learn about in their U.S. history classes. Charles Lord Cornwallis. Ooh, okay. You know that name? Yeah, Cornwallis. I know. I also know, I think we've talked about this before, because I was like, is he Lord of Cornwallis? Because his name is weird. No, it's just his last name. Yeah, I know, which is silly, um, because it's confusing. The, the people who live in places that actually have lordships can't should not be able to have the name Lord. Yeah, it's like, basically, if you're not a landowner, but we want to make you this rank, we'll just have your last name be it. Yeah, exactly. Um, not cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Lord Cornwallis, uh, after his involvement in the American Revolution, he became involved in Ireland. And we're going to learn learn why. I don't think I knew that he was involved in the Revolution. Yeah, yeah. That's why you learn about him in U.S. history class. Oh. He was the general who lost at Yorktown. Oh. Okay. Yeah, but we're not talking about Yorktown. Okay. We're talking about Ireland. Right, right, right. Okay. So... So, a different aspect of this man's storied life. Yes. Got yes. it. Okay. Yes. So, all right. Cool. Stay tuned. Please don't forget to check out our sister projects, or mostly my sister projects. Uh, the YouTube show, The Drunken Pond, which is produced by myself and hosted by our co-producer, Steve. 
on this podcast, um, where we drink beer and play board games. It's a great time. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, which is a horror review podcast, uh, which is co-hosted by myself and my lovely pod wife, Juliet. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show so we can stay on the charts. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WeEFTUP. I'm Teresa. And I'm Cody. And this is WeEFTUP. We